2, verse 4, which is starting with Genesis 1, 31, through chapter 2, verse 4, Genesis 3, verses 17 through 19, Leviticus 23, verses 1 through 3, and Leviticus 25, 1 through 7. And God saw that he had made, and he, behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. And thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in that day that the Lord had made the heavens and the earth. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded to you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return." The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six days you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows itself in your harvest, or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. A Sabbath of the land shall provide for you food for you, for yourself and for your male and female slaves, and for your hired worker and the sojourner who lives with you, and for the cattle and for the wild animals that are in your land. All its yield shall be food for you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning again. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, today we um, begin a short sermon series on entering God's Sabbath. And we're doing this in preparation for the upcoming sabbatical I'm taking as your pastor. And you, Christ Central, as a whole will be taken. And uh, we will be exploring four aspects of a sabbatical or Sabbath or extended Sabbath. Number one, we'll explore, explore rest. That's today. Secondly, renewal. Number three, relationships. And finally, number four, the fourth week, reflecting, reflecting. Now, Dr. Barbara Peacock, whom I've mentioned numerous, numerous times in the last month or so, uh, will be leading our family personally um, through the sabbatical time, providing spiritual direction and and, and helping us through spiritual formation. 
And by extension, that means uh, much of what she's doing will influence the life of Christ Central Church. I believe there is a plan on the way by Pastor Josh Kim and Christ Central's Resource Center for Intercultural Ministry um, to use uh, Dr. Peacock's book entitled Soul Care in African-American Practice as a Congregation. Um, and we're doing this so that you can experience much of what we will um, on our sabbatical through her ministry. I mentioned this um, to let you know also that the... Um, the four sermon series titles uh, for each of the weeks are derived from her book and the sabbatical plan, the personal sabbatical plan that she has written for Kelly and Harrison and Clark and me. And I adjusted the first R a little bit that she gave me. But let me let you know, I appreciate folks like Dr. Peacock and Reverend Amari Hill and even our newest staff member, our youth and young adult and, 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 and spiritual formation director, Corey Gaston, um, all who have studied, right, uh, spiritual formation and direction. Because, see, most people, uh, most believers, new and old, me included, haven't received much teaching and guidance in the area of Sabbath or sabbatical. We might know it simply as the reason we go to church on Sunday. And I am old enough, um, like many of you, to remember when the only places open on Sundays, and I grew up in South Carolina, so deep south, right, open on Sundays were grocery stores, some, maybe, sometimes grocery stores weren't completely open, drug stores and gas stations, and very few fast food places, right? People and the city were at rest on Sunday. And despite what it might feel like, Sunday on our calendars, if you look carefully, right, is still the first day of the week. Though we experience and treat it like the last day, right, of the weekend. Sunday, therefore, the, the day many Christians celebrate as the Sabbath day is, you know, it's almost like it is the end of the weekend and it also is the beginning of the work week. And so Sunday, right, it is like this link, this beginning and end. The Sabbath is a beginning and an end to how we work, the, the, the time in the middle almost, like, like this connecting piece, the, the center and the heart of our activity and work as human beings. So if we want to hold our lives and labors and work together in this world, we must have Sabbath, right, at the center. Almost like the fulcrum for balance at its beginning and end, the Sabbath, right? Our effort and works must be grounded and centered within the experience of God's Sabbath. The word Sabbath, it means rest. And as we look at how God calls us today, how God calls us the Sabbath, we must start with how God himself rests. Right? Yes, so that's right. From, from our reading this morning, we are told and reminded that when God created everything, he did all his creative work in a, in a space of six days, that he rested on the seventh day. Right? So God did not work on the seventh day, but he did create something for us on the seventh day. God created rest for his creation that day. 
right? So, so rest is a God creation and gift. And it's, a, it's as real as everything and everyone else you see. And he experienced the rest of the six days. And we experience it just like he did everything on the, on the other six days. We experience his day of rest, his Sabbath, his time of rest, his space for rest as good. And so contrary to popular belief, where you rest only after in response to being exhausted or sin broken. Notice that the Sabbath, right? When we look at Genesis, was instituted and practiced by God before sin and human exhaustion and tiredness and backbreaking work entered the world. Rest. God's Sabbath rest is not just about God's hospice, right? When you're, when you're on your last leg, right? It is God's divine hospitality and gift to us. God, therefore, is calling us to be proactive in the Sabbath, to, to enter into it with him, to receive it, to seek it, to go after it from him. But as we read, Genesis has a tragic twist, right? So when Adam and Eve sinned, the fall and sin entered, uh, entered us and entered the world. And from then to now, work is not just done by us. Work does us in, right? It consumes us. It twists us and, and breaks and, and, it, and it frustrates us. And, and, and we don't always leave the workday and say what God did at the end of his workday. It was good, very good. We don't always say that. And so the Sabbath is a mission as well, a rescue, a respite for our humanity in its brokenness. And God calls us into this rest in three ways that I want us to explore and see today. First, God calls us to stop. To stop. Secondly, to sense. And finally, to sanctify. To stop, to sense, to sanctify. Look back with me at Genesis 2nd chapter, verses 1 through 3, and it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. When I look at the creation story, God is moving, right? When you look at the first six, I mean the first six days in Genesis first chapter, God is moving and things are happening and it is verbally noisy, right? Probably sounds like some naturalistic construction site. Probably the first time something made a sound on earth or a noise on earth. And God is the foreman, like the foreman yelling and speaking instructions to nothing and making it into something. I can't help but wonder how loudly and authoritatively do you need to speak to nothing to make it become something. But you get the point, right? But on the seventh day, unlike what we saw in creation, when the Spirit of God was moving all over the place, hovering over the face of the deep, God on the seventh day was still and silent. He stopped. And was still. 
And as those made in the image and likeness of God, we have the privilege of his Sabbath to be still as God was and stop. Leviticus 23.3, which is an echo, right, of, of, of the fourth commandment that God gives his people. It says this. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day, but the seventh day, right, is, is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath through the Lord in all your dwelling places. It means, therefore, rest means to stop, to desist from vocation, to stop from your routines. To, to quit you, it's all your dwelling places, right? From, from your place and connection in the supply and demand chain, right? To, to vacate your vocation, right? Which is easier said than done, as we've already pointed out, because of what the Genesis 3 passage tells us. So let's look back at what that says to us. In Genesis 3, right? Beginning at verse 17, this is after they've eaten of the tree of knowledge and good and evil and, and sin's curse is coming in the world. And this is what God says to Adam. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I've commanded you, you shall not eat of. Cursed is the ground because of you. It says, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the, the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And with it, we have the curse that he spoke more directly to Eve which I, I didn't have here about pain and childbearing, most directly to being a mother, but applicable, just like Adam's, uh, the word to Adam, applicable to all humankind to some degree. But bottom line, work, and what we see coming through what he told Eve, the work of family, right? Working in or out of the home it is work. But the curse of sin and fall promises, of the fall promises that stuff will be body and mind and heart and soul breaking. Work will just be difficult. Now keep, in that, keep that in mind as we look at the passage again in Leviticus, 25th chapter. And it says here, the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you, the land shall uh, keep a Sabbath to the Lord for six years. Now, this is the Sabbath rest, um, it, it, the, the Sabbath year rest. For six years you shall sow, sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year, this shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of it, goes of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you, for yourself and for your male and female slaves and for your hired worker and the sojourner who lives with you and for your cattle and for the wild animals that are in your land. All its yield shall be your food. Now we're going to go through this a little bit. but I wanted to read that to you. Remember, this, they were a largely farming, agrarian, and, and pastoral uh, society. But like, um, what's that veterinarian show we watch on TV, Dr. Pole? 
Man, I love that show. You, you think, I don't want to watch that man take care of farm animals, but you end up watching it, you know? It's real interesting. And on that show, you know, he's talking to some dude who has a ca- calves, and he says, and the guy's like, I just started taking care of calves. You know, my dad did, and yeah, I inherited these things, this, this stuff. And he looks at him, and he smiles. You know, Dr. Pohl's an older guy. He looks at this young guy, and he says, wow, you just picked up a 24-hour, 365-day, seven-day-a-week job because you live on a farm. You take care of animals, Right? Which means they would always be, right? What is he saying in Leviticus to this agrarian farming society? You will always be in the middle of something that needs to get done. Maybe even just getting the land. Think about year six. Man, the grapes are looking great. Things are just getting right. The soil has just happened. My seed is finally getting to take shape. Maybe it's year six. We're starting to get right. It was producing and doing right. And then you were called by the Sabbath to leave it. Think about it. No way. They were not in year six sweating and working to leave it to the thorns and thistles in year seven. So it says they had to prepare for it, right? To bring it in, to harvest, to be ready for the Sabbath, to to prepare to be able to detangle over the six years to be able to prepare, to enter into the rest. They had to get ready to let go of what was never going to be completely right and finished and perfect. Hear me, because of the fall, they had to sacrifice and work to desist. They didn't desist primarily because they had worked and suffered. Let me say that again. Because of the fall, they had to sacrifice and work to be able to honor the Sabbath, to desist and not desist and honor the Sabbath primarily because they had worked and suffered. We normally put the Sabbath on the back end of that. But God is calling them to enter into the Sabbath and begin to think about the Sabbath rest at the beginning of the six-year period, not only the end. The Bible says that God finishes work on day six whether you believe it's literal days or whether you believe it's periods, whatever. But in a fallen world, work is going to be such that it will never feel finished enough to just stop. The curse is promising that. It will never be done. It will never just be good, right? And nothing else to do and no more demands or no more desires or no more new visions or no more new missions or no more new issues popping up or no more new wants or or next thing. It'll never not need, it'll never stop breaking, right? It'll never stop crying and getting sick again and need you again. It never, come on, y'all who have to cook you the main cookers in your house, it never stops getting hungry. Wouldn't you love to cook the meal? And sometimes if they're a certain age, like my boys, 17 and 18, two hours later, not even that, I'm hungry. You hungry? Yeah. We'll eat that in the fridge. I already ate it. You know, they never stop wondering what's for dinner again. Or if you have a little one, you know, new to the potty, right? Or even you, you, you become a caregiver of an older person in your family. It never stops being, I'm finished, right? You ever heard that from the bathroom? I'm finished, Dad. I hate, oh, man, that was so hard. 
When are they ever going to stop potty training? Never, really. What about those needing a diaper change? Seems like it never ends. And everything in between, there is no finished or final satisfaction that automatically says, stop. Though it was originally created to be like it, there is no, and you know the Flintstones, I'm kind of old, y'all. There is no ultimate yabba-dabba-doo where you pull the whistle and you're done. He got to go back to work tomorrow, even Fred Flintstone. So a Sabbath is sometimes, but it's sometimes, but it's just a pause, y'all. It's a God allowed and given comma in things. Right? But even a comma requires detangling. Because you, you and I are tempted to, to do run-on sentences, right? From, from, the being, from the being and doing that, that snags and holds you, like, like the thorns and thistles and pain Genesis tells you about. You and I, to stop, must not only desist, but to desist, we must be committed to detangle, right? To, to have faith, help, and permission from God and each other to let it drop. <laughs> to let it be unfinished for a while. To feel like you're in the middle of a sentence or paragraph and say, sorry, can't finish that right now. Not today. To put a period where a period shouldn't go. To have a grammatically incorrect sentence in life. <laughs> or put the top on something before it's completely filled. Y'all ever been to south of the border? That rest stop on 95? Maybe I'm telling my age again. Y'all, it is a disaster to the person who wants to make record time and the vacation to be about something. I mean, the gifts, the food, and the experience of south of the border rest stop is not progress. It just feels like a regression. That's a necessary part of the trip. It is never the destination. No one says, I'm going to south of the border for family trip or vacation. But it happens. Those million signs along the way. Ten miles from south of the border. Five miles from south of the border. Lure you in right in the middle of it all. Unlike south of the border as we will get to, right? God's rest is fulfilling. But for many of us, it will feel like that detoured waste. Not because it is, but because of sin and the fall. It'll feel like an unnecessary detour. Sabbath, though, the Bible's teaching us is a holy diversion. Right? It's a holy rest stop. It is part of God's directions. Right? It's on it. You, you, you don't have a choice. It's God's ways with a Z, right? God's directive to, it, it, it's God Google map, right? It's God's directive to not just get to, get to where you need to be, but so you can get to be who you and I are called to be. It's part of your growth. It's the directive to, to be who God wants you to be. But it requires us to have the faith and freedom and feel to detangle and untangle from the world, to drop it, to leave it for a day, a time, a season, and a moment in life. But not alone. 
but as a community. This one to the whole community. To be committed to living life stopping along the way. Getting incomplete along the way. Planning to leave what may get twisty and thorny and is twisty and thorny and hard work. Leaving it behind to enter into his rest. So that we are finally free and in a space to sense. To sense. Look again at our Genesis passage. We're going we're gonna to look back at verse 31. And this, he's still, God is still in the middle of creating. Um, he, he's at the end of, um, he just finished the sixth day. And he says here, and God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And it says he, then we read that other passage, that he's rested on the seventh from all his work. He blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let me help you understand what's happening. After each day, if you read through Genesis, there is a pause, an evening rest, if you will. And when God finished all of creation, after a space of six days, he took rest in it. Do y'all see that? He took rest in it. Like on earth, in his creation, because of it. He took rest through it. Much like he calls the people of Israel to do in Leviticus 25th chapter, to, to eat the vineyards that you've stored up, to eat this, to, to, take, to take what you've already worked for and live off that and live in that. God himself invited the people of God to join him to take time to see. And by see, I mean experience what God has done and done for them and through them. To simply sense what has been done. Dare I say to stop and take time and enjoy to just take it all in. As the psalm, the, the, the Bible songbook says, there's a psalm in there that says, to taste and see that the Lord is good. There's that word again, right, from creation, good. To, to savor God's good creation. And of course, people who have been created to appreciate the colors and the properties and bounty of what God has done and has worked through you and, and even through your labor. I spent some months on a port swing, you know, primarily because I'm not good at it. I laid, made a lot of mistakes, had to come back, do some things, ran out of money. Some of that wood out there and stuff's expensive. I didn't have the tools at a certain point. It took a while. And I have yet to sit on it outside of just making sure it wouldn't fall down when I put my weight on it. I haven't just gotten on that swing and swung and not think about it. To just be outside and enjoy the air and the blowing wind and light and airiness of swinging suspended. On what I built and how God provided and provides in that thing. That's why I chose this, this painting this morning as our image today. I mean, this, this man is, is resting on. 
right? He's resting into the cotton, right? That he picked, but, but God provided. And if you see, can see, there is still, look at the fields, there's still more to pick. Cotton don't stop growing. But the Sabbath is a call to rest in God's provision. You know? That's why I like it. It's not slavery we see in this picture. Humanity is portrayed here with this historically loaded image of a black man, a stack of cotton in a cotton field with him sleeping on it. <laughs> I admit it's loaded. But I used it because I want us to know. It's not slavery. Slavery stops folk from resting. Right? It is, what you see here is the way it should be. And no, this is not one of those racist trope depictions of the shiftless Negro worker. No, resting on cotton in the middle of the day when you're tired is right. It's good. It's holy. Now, Dr. Peacock has been working with us and um, she she, she kind of comes out of nowhere. You just talking? Well, I am just talking, right? Just going on. You know, I read some things. I'm letting her know how smart I am, you know, with the spiritual formation and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I get you. And she just stops. And it gets real quiet with her. Like, she can pause for like 30 seconds. That's a long time when you're talking. Oh, you're a talker like me. I'm like, but what's going on? And she goes, Howard. I noticed, because we were on Zoom, I noticed that painting behind you. I'm like, yeah. Do you like it? I'm like, yeah. What do you like about it? And I was like, um, it was given to me. I know the artist. And she was like, you know what? Have you ever just sat and looked at that painting longer than 10 seconds? I was like, no. You have this beautiful painting in your home. You paid for, you hung, you took your time. And you haven't taken time to know what you like about it. What's beautiful about it. And I think she was trying to teach me something about Sabbath. We haven't taken time to stop and just sense what's there. To sense what's beautiful. We look at creation and said, God created it and it was good. How do you know how good it is? Have you really tasted food or are you just eating to get through it? Have you ever just looked at something for a while? Have you just, just to do it? Just to be, be able to experience God's goodness? Don't you know that you were created with the ability to hear and see the glory of God in these things? And I'm going to say in a supernatural way, out of its natural properties? You know, I think about Eastern mysticism, of focusing and being out in nature and, and unencumbered. And, you know, I realize that so much of that Eastern mysticism, it began at creation in the Bible. It just took a left turn somewhere. Now, some folks miss to see what God has done and see God through it because of him stuff, but it is true. At its core, it is very biblical because of rest. But this is not just seeing what God has done. 
but who God has done, right? Who God, let me say that again, not seeing what God has done, but who God has done. I want you to look back with me um, at, at, at chapter 2 in Genesis. Now, this is right following him resting. Look at what it moves right into, right? So I know most of your Bibles have a little break, maybe a subtitle there between verses 3 and verse 4, because it's beginning the, um, what I call the microscope, right? So you've seen the general creation of humankind. Now it's the microscope creation um, of what went on so that we can understand how special humankind is, right? So this is a way to separate us from the rest of the creatures. And then look at this, verse 4. This is after he rests. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, right? So he's going to get into human generations. He's going to get into human creation, right? Why is this important here? God calls us to see and sense each other. To to, to take time, to to rest, to stop, and see who and how he has made us, y'all. And then look as it goes together. If we look at Genesis 25, it says, not only you shall eat of the six years of hard work, but it says what? Your servants. Doesn't it say that? It says you're, you're, the people, your you're sojourners, the people who hanging with you, your immigration, right? You're, you're, all the people who are there, your animals even eat, right? Because you're not putting your, your cattle out in the field, to, to, and oxen to, to till the land. Everybody gets to rest on the Sabbath. See that? When I read this, when it says rest in every place, and then I see the names of these people, that the, the, era, the, the areas that people call to, to rest as well, I can't help but realize that Sabbath is a personal, social, and human justice issue. You know what I Think about what's going on here. God has made us and co-opted us to work as part of being human, but the Sabbath makes us stop and see and recognize our dignity and worth apart from us working and separate from what we can simply do and be and produce and be and do and produce for someone else. And so according to the year of the Sabbath, the servants and the workers and the lowest among them were able to be sensed and seen and experienced. I even think, let's throw the animals activists in here, right? Even the animals got, got to eat of the Sabbath, right? And so there is a sense in which the servants and the workers and the lowest among them were able to be sensed and seen and experienced by themselves and others as something and someone more than just a cog in a wheel. Or just somebody to be used for the industry or the person who is over them to to see them as their worker and the the people they can use. The Sabbath meant the community must stop getting production out of people in order for the community to see people as more than just production. But to see them as God's creation. God wants to enjoy and love and wants to experience who he created us to be more than just people who work. But to fellowship and be family to each other and be loved and served and appreciated and glorified as human and more than a cow or a piece of machinery. 
You know why you feel like a piece of machinery? Because in capitalism, there is no rest. <laughs> There's vacation, right? But vacation is a privilege on the back of somebody else. Sabbath says we as a community recognize each other as more than just workers, but people made in the image and likeness of God. You know, this sabbatical, right? Have you ever sensed or even, you know, what, what it means like to just be a man or a woman? You've been a chef, a nursery, a daycare worker, a, you know, somebody's go-to person. And some of you have just been ma management of or, or Mr. and Mrs. Teacher or something like that. Have you sensed or even known what it is to be a human, a child, a son, a daughter before God? And in nature, to be human and not a machine out there in the woods somewhere. It's like, wow, I'm a part of this. Yeah, God created me too. Uh, to not be a mule all your life. Sabbath rest is an affirmation of that. Through taking time and seeking experience and, and putting yourself in, in a place to experience that. And I promise we'll tease some more of this out later in coming service, sermons. But civil rights and social justice is only desirable and achievable if we rest. we actually enter into God's Sabbath rest practice away from always thinking about our money or making money and owing and owning and acquiring and ruling and running and needing to be on top of things and not our sense and think, guess what? Others' humanity sense of worth as, human, as image bearers with their God. That's why church, it's a terrible thing right now with, with, with the pandemic. But that's why we do church and worship on Sundays. It helps even being a diverse congregation like ours. You are more broadly able to Sabbath and see and sense who, who God has done and, and you and others. And it's beautiful and beneficial and good for us to look across and say, look at my brother and sister worshiping God. Look at who they are before the Lord. They are not my worker. They're not my servant. And that's why, in large part, God calls the day holy. It's our chance to see how he sees us. And for us to see how he sees others and to see and treat and experience them like that in that space. And that will inform how you treat them at work, in society, as your wife, as your mother. We all need rest in those roles in some capacity. You know, it's a justice issue. I, wouldn't, I, I just think I need to say it. You know, I talked to um, LeVan McLean, our, our, our women's uh, director and, and ministry director, and she says, you know, the hardest thing about doing women's ministry, we, gotta have, to, we have to have child care. And she says, why is it? That women with children, in this case, can't be daughters only for a season. Why can't they just be women? Why can't they Sabbath? What's up with that? That's why it's a justice issue. You know, I remember a while back on um, the, the publication Creative Loafing, little local newspaper, they had this article, and it was a... Um, uh, um, 
women's rights issue, a women's justice issue, and they talked about how these mothers with the strollers and uh, going to the coffee shops and, and, and with their kids and play dates, and they called them cows. They're just nursing. <laughs> They're just producing. They're just cows. You know what counters that? Recognizing who you are in God beside the work you do. For somebody else to do what they need to do. Now, motherhood's beautiful. I'm not saying that. I'm not going against that. It's both. It's a justice issue. Look at the Leviticus passage again one more time here. It says, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day is Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. We are to sanctify, the Bible says, the Sabbath. We are to make it holy. Sabbath rest gives us a sanctuary to experience God, to see him and to have him, y'all. When I read the story of creation, there is a lot of noise again. The sounds and flashes and the ups and downs and God's voice is speaking things into existence. And it is interesting to me, the Holy Spirit's going back and forth, that, that on day seven, God is still. There's no movement. The text doesn't give us any sense of movement or noise or motion or even speaking. God himself is listening to his creation. To let his works praise him. The earth is not silent, I don't believe. I think the birds are chirping and other things are going and the fish are jumping. The ocean's making some noise. But he is silent. Going back to sensing as if he, as if to have it speak about and to him. He, he's almost like, let me listen to my praise for a while. The Sabbath is a time, it's a period to let God hear you. Let God hear from you to take time to tell him things. I don't want to be sacrilegious, but, but I want to say it, it, it in this way so you can get it. It is like God comes home from a job and profession that requires him to speak and direct and move a lot to be silent and still to hear from you. So you and I can pray to him and praise him. It's a holy convocation. It is a time to meet God. The Sabbath and the sabbatical is holy because it is a time in which the God of heaven and earth by faith is still for us. And it's in a holy and a unique way as we enter in by faith. He is not so dynamic that he is too scary or busy to approach. He is at rest for us to come to him, to find him right there. Some of you might have experienced this from both sides. I have. But when parents come home from work and everyone's there, right, and you and your day it's finally, and you and your day finally get stilled. Right? You walk in the door and that's when the kids and the husband and the wife are the most energetic around you and towards you. They get straight access. You done with work. Even a dog is happy and jumping. My mom used to say when my dad would come in, Howard, give daddy some space. I used to meet my mom at the door. She was a nurse, and she would come in, still in her nurse's uniform, right? Get, get, you know, and I would, Mama, woo! Let me tell you what happened to Mom at school. Da, da, da. And Mom, we hungry, right? And she used to say, give Mom a minute. 
to get settled in. Let me change my clothes. Let me go to the bathroom, right? Let me just give mom a minute. We used to let daddy sit and read his paper. He's tired, right? But you would be super anxious to crawl all over them and her or them or they. God comes rested on the Sabbath. Ready to take you and me in. Ready for us to jump all over him. Ready for us to lay all over him, right? And lay it all out and sing it all loud and cry it all out and say, God, here I am. Not only so he will hear us, but so that we can have him. The Sabbath in both accounts is about having an experience and taking in all that you have worked for and all that and who has worked for you to listen and take it in. The Bible says that the Sabbath is holy. And as we are silent, we too can hear not only nature, but one another finally. We can finally hear and not only experience one another, but who God is. What God has said. What God has done for us. That our, hard, our voices and hard work and the construction and work noise of our lives have died out. To finally be silent and still. Like God does. To hear us. So that we can hear him as well. But this is more than hearing him like a Bible study or sermon through Sunday worship. This is what having God be still and speak in a still space to you through multiple means. You know what it looks like? It means to have God be captivated about you and for you. Almost like God's captive to you, right? He's still for you. He's captive to your thoughts and airs. That's what it means to be sanctified. Not how holy and moral and, and monastic you can be, but that you have been invited, have entered into a holy space and day and time and season where God is at rest with you. Sometimes I watch these nature shows and I get jealous of the people who can work with those animals. Don't you sometimes? You know, the guy hugging the big lion. Like, how does he get to do that? Man, he ain't scared. You know, or, or the person who gets to swim with the big sharks or whatever, and they ain't scared. And so part of me is like, man, I, I want to do that and not be scared. Don't you know that God is the most terrifying and loving? The most unsettling and at the same time welcoming? Most disruptive and at the same time comforting being out there. And in the Sabbath, he lets us in his holy enclosure without fear. But freedom and welcome to be with the God of creation who's still for you. And God sits and exists in a very intimate space, in place, a holy place in the Sabbath. And we have the privilege to enter into that still God space with him, with him, excuse me, to see what he has done and hear what he says to us. For a spirit to not be turned and consumed with getting this broken world right, but on and in the Sabbath, the spirit of God doesn't hover over the work. But the spirit of God now hovers over you and me and in us. And we stop and we sense him all in and over us to get the sanctified, not knowledge only, but experience of sitting with and having God sit with and in and on us.
The Bible talks about the eternal Sabbath later. Because Jesus, God, and come in the flesh, you know who he is? He is God resting. Jesus is God coming and living and sitting and laying with us for us, ceasing in much of his glorious work so that we can hear and see and have and be with God at rest and in the rest. It's an old illustration, so old. But it makes me think about uh, that Chuck Colson prison ministry. And the story is told that the prison was so reformed by Jesus that they didn't have the prison doors locked anymore. People just walking around, right? And he says, does nobody's prison door close? Like what? He says, yeah, we do have one prisoner who's not allowed to leave his cell. And they went to the cell and inside the cell was a crucifix. And they said, Jesus is the punished one. And because he was punished, because he will never leave that place in our lives, as the one who takes away our sins and penalty and full burden, burden of the curse of work, we are free. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Finished, y'all, like our work never is. And when Jesus died for you and me, God rested. And now we can come in and rest with him, taking his time, share what he's learned, share what he's earned us through Jesus to take his leave that he worked for so that we can be free to stop, to sense, and to sanctify. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus did the work. And he said, like God did on the 6th, it's good, it's finished. So that now we can enter into the Sabbath rest. Lord, give us the grace through Christ to do that. It's scary because there's so many things to do and so much is left undone and there's so many insecure feelings of us not being enough. Lord, on the Sabbath, affirm that we're more than just work. We're more than just workers. We're yours. We're, we, 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 we bear the glory and image of one made in, in the likeness of God. And Lord, thank you for that. Help us to see each other in that light because we treat each other so poorly. When we're looking like we can get something out of somebody, when we only see them as the person who supplies our wants and our needs and desires. Use the Sabbath to change our vision and, and view of, of, of society. Help us to step in with a Sabbath-based social justice for those who don't have the same privileges to vacate or vacate very long. Help us think about the work week. If we're, if we're bosses, Lord, and, or we own businesses, help us to think about how we entreat our employees. Help us, Lord, to think about how we treat one another. And pray, Lord, that you would help us recognize how you treated us in Christ Jesus so that we can enjoy the treat of you and retreat with you. Help us to do that, we pray.
in Jesus' name. Amen.